Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. So let's go to Mac in Los Cabos, Mexico, looking at QRVO. You own it or looking to buy it? I own it. I sold some for a profit, and I was thinking about uh, getting back uh, at some shares at this point. And provides unbiased answers. They're doing trailing 12-month free cash flow of $1.2 billion, and it is a $18 billion market cap, so it's not expensive. But technically, it is weak. Talk, Over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARK. This podcast is produced by... KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, October 14th, 21, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And you've heard it many times here by myself and Steve about market volatility. And today you saw market volatility. A lot of people think volatility is a market going down. Well, a volatility is just simply a lot of whipsawing moves um, up and down, more bigger moves than expected. Um, and that's kind of what you saw today uh, on the upside. And so that is a good thing if you've been buying this dip. Um, but then the question is, are we out of the woods or are we going to continue to see more volatility both ways? Well, we're going to unpack that and many more on today's show as we power through the fourth quarter. And you're probably looking at, okay, what's what happened? What's, what's, what's this year been for me? How have I done? How's my strategy done? Uh, what should I expect for 2022? These are all things that we are going to continue to help you with, help you make better decisions on how to shift your portfolio or maybe not make any changes. Maybe. I had a call. Uh, it was, I think it was yesterday. Yep. It was yesterday with a, a listener. We're going over his 401k. He had very limited options like, like typical. And his allocation was pretty much what I would recommend. Very value-focused. Um, and I said, you're doing, you're doing great. Stick with it. So sometimes the right move is no move, but you don't want to be caught in paralysis. Call it paralysis of analysis, over analyzing things. It's about having a process to create an allocation, to create a strategy and execute on that on a daily basis, weekly basis. And that's what's investing is all about if you want to be active in it. If you don't, you want to index, that's fine as well. But you can still make good money decisions day after day, uh, saving more, spending less than you make, etc. So on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And that's my assurance to you that no matter what I'm talking about, strategy, a sector or a stock, I am here to present it all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them with the stat, with the with the data I have in front of me 
and 20 plus years of investment experience. So I'm Justin Klein, and of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape the show to your liking. So I encourage you right now to give us a call during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or if you're listening after hours, no big deal, leave a message on our Invest Talk voice bank that is open 24 seven. Either way, the number is always 888 chart. So let's go to Mac in Los Cabos, Mexico, looking at QRVO. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own it. I sold some for a profit, and I was thinking about uh, getting back, uh, add some shares at this point. All right, this is Corvo. Uh, so when you say you want to add back shares, it's just simply because now it's below where you had sold some? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. And yeah. Okay. Correct. Well, it is down about 18% from its 52-week high. But then the question is, what is a fair value on this particular name? And is it, it first question is, what percentage of your overall portfolio is it? About uh, 1.5%, a little less than that. Okay. So you're not overweight in that sense, so that's good. Now let's take a look at what they do. They uh, they combine entities. Uh, so this is RF Micro Devices, so I remember this name, and TriQuint Semiconductor. Merged in 2015. Uh, they make radio frequency filters, power amplifiers, front-end modules. So this is uh, a company that sells to uh, smartphone uh, end markets, wireless base stations, cable TV networks, networking equipment. They, they sell infrastructure and military applications. So really broad-based telecom firm. And really since 2015, their business has improved dramatically. They were doing revenues of about $1.7 billion back then. Now they're at $4.3. They're doing trailing 12-month free cash flow of $1.2 billion, and it is a $18 billion market cap, so it's not expensive. Um, but technically, it is weak. And that's my biggest issue here is, yes, it did hit some support. I will say that uh, just recently, and that's probably why you're getting this, this little bit of a bounce. But I'd be looking closer to the 140 level, right at 140, 145. Now we're at 165. I think that's a, a better uh, level. I think you're going to see more volatility, especially in the semiconductor space. The semiconductor space as a whole is kind of rolling over. You're seeing broad-based weakness, and this one's even more weak than the average semiconductor company. So um, I'm going to say be a, a bit more patient around the 140, 145 level. That's where I would be adding back your position. But I like that you own it. It's a good company on a nice trajectory. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Evidence warns of the need for a cautious view before investing in China. One prominent investor says the deck is stacked against investing in China. So why bother? Is he right? Or is the story more complicated? We're going to get to that here in a little bit along with uh, some – I want to talk a little about nuclear today as well as uh, a big economist front page. And the title is The First Big Energy Shock of the Green Era. And I want to look at that article, some great st statistics out of there that really unpack the whole green versus carbon energy debate and what 
issues we're having today and what that could mean for policy and the direction of the energy markets in the future. And then lastly, some somewhat related, talk about gas. The gas shortages are prompting a switch to oil. Not good for the green uh, economy or our world if you're if you're trying to reduce carbon emissions, but it, it's an example of substitutes. This is one thing we learned early early on in business school is the power of substitutions. People substitute one product for another. Uh, they they find them equal uh, in certain ways. It happens across various industries. So if a price of one goes up, the other the demand for the other goes up as well. So um, that's something that we're going to look at, and it's a kind of a teaching lesson there. But let's look at the market today. S and P was up seventy four points, about one and three quarters percent. Uh, what was interesting it was didn't really lean one way or the or the other. Uh, slightly better on the growth side, I guess you could say. Uh, but your then the main reason for that was the ten year. The ten year was down three basis points. Remember, lower interest rates, good for the growth side, not as good for the value, and vice versa. Higher interest rates, uh, certainly a headwind for the growth side of the market. So. Uh, that was that jive today. Gold was up once again, continues its powerful breakout from yesterday. That was a, a good sign for the space. The GDX was up um, over 2%, so the miners definitely had a nice follow-through uh, there. You had uh, semiconductors. That was upset about 3.5 points. So the, the weakness, uh, you had a nice bounce. Still not above any major moving averages. So uh, you, you still see some uh, relative weakness there. And so this is the bounce at the end of the day. This is just a bounce with, still within major uh, ranges. Not uh, hasn't broken out to the upside. The NYSE did break above all the major moving averages. And so it looks like it wants to head back to the highs from early September on the broad indexes. Uh, but if you look at like the COMPQ, the NASDAQ, that continues to lag. So you continue to see that rotation, small caps over large caps, value over growth. Now we're move, moving back into a break. Emilio's from San Francisco. Hang on, you'll be next here on Invest Talk at 888.99 chart. No two investors have an identical portfolio, so each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take InvestTalk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. 
Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to our friend Emilios in San Francisco. He wants to talk about the S&P 500. How are you, sir, Justin? I am well. How are you doing, Emilios? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually calling regarding a uh, someone called last week about the VOO, okay. which is essentially the SPY. Mm-hmm. And uh, you made a comment that we can do better. So does this mean buying an SP, the SPY itself, or does this mean another index within Vanguard? I know you can't mention names. I just want oh, to get no, I mean, thing. you can do better if you have a, a well thought out strategy that you can execute on a regular, uh, on a consistent basis. What I was, what I was looking at VOO and SPY, they're both, they're both the S and P. Um, and so if you want to just index, then you're going to pick the one with the lowest fee, lowest fee. expense ratio, right. which is VOO, and because right. you're getting the same stocks. Okay. Got you. That, that's sense. what I wanted. But, but, but you, can, uh, you can do better, obviously, if you do your homework and you pick your own stocks. But for us, for me at least, I don't know the technicals and all the stocks. Therefore, I would the, the index makes me feel a little better. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's once again, if that makes you feel better, um, then at the end of the day, that's uh, the most important thing that your portfolio is constructed to where you you feel good about uh, your strategy and you can sleep at night. Uh, now, you are you are kind of going with the herd, and as you know, the herd goes both directions, and so. Um, you know, will there be a point where the herd starts to flow out of uh, the S&P 500? Maybe. Um, and if so, it would be very similar to uh, the Nifty 50 in the 1960s. That was the late 60s. It was just buy these 50 blue chip stocks. Well, the early 70s brought a bear market and everyone flowed out of the exact same trade because they were just owning uh, the Nifty 50. So that's kind of the same thing. This is the S&P 500. So it's 10 times as many stocks, but still crowded into the same name. So um, if you don't want to do any work and you want to just own a broad basket, then there's nothing wrong with that. I always, I should, I always say, you should at least broaden out your exposure a bit. Uh, mid cap, small cap, foreign, uh, maybe some commodity exposure, bond exposure, etc. Um, but that takes also a little more homework. So if you don't do any homework at all, never yeah, think just, about it. I, I just don't have time. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Have, yeah, with work. But anyways, okay, I got I you. Understand. I got you. Thank Thanks you for calling much, me, Justin. You're awesome. No problem. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Evidence warns of the need for a cautious view before investing in China. Now, one prominent investor says the DAC is stacked stacked against China, so why bother? And this is Barry Sternlicht. Barry Sternlicht, he is, uh, what is he, the chairman CEO of Starwood Capital Group. And he says that he can't underwrite the political risk of China and the investment. And this is after the recent regulatory crackdowns on all types of industries, especially technology and private education firms. We've talked about that before, which he speaks about. And he says the investors have had about uh, have had it about operating in China, where the communist government can be unpredictable in exerting its power. So that's the issue: is that people are underestimating how China's government will 
acts and the power that they can wield. We're not used to that as Americans. We have a, a system every four years. Right? You can kind of do a do-over and, and, and cleanse the system uh, as much as you know, our system allows it, whereas China, you can't have that. And so he's worried about the geopolitical uh, constraints there and that the Biden administration may ratchet up economic sanctions and what that could mean for their economy uh, as well. Think of the trade tariffs that that uh, Trump implemented can do something similar for a different reason, though. So uh, I agree with his sentiment, and it was a pretty interesting article. You can head over to Invest Talk and find it there. You invest. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends, and that's why we are here to help you. Taking your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine chart. No two portfolios are alike. And every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Thank you, Justin. This is Brandon in D.C. again a question with the lingering inflation concerns would you recommend gold as a hedge right now um, i'm looking at ticker gld uh, look forward to listening on the pod thanks all right looking at gld and the answer is yes i've been a fan of gold for a while we've been accumulating for for years um and you've had this pullback period over the past year really since last september and we're starting to break out here again. I've said this, uh, if you watch my YouTube video from f uh, over the past couple of weeks uh, that I put out every Friday on our YouTube channel, you can go over to uh, there, just search Invest Talk, you'll find it. But basically, I've been saying that this is kind of a make or break moment for gold prices, that it needs to find some strength here. Otherwise, it's going to be going to turn the longer term charts more negative. Uh, as opposed to bullish, right? More into the neutral stance as opposed to uh, it still is bullish. And you had a reversal a couple of weeks ago that kind of saved it from uh, on the, Thursday, the previous Thursday and Friday, not last week, but the week before. Consolidation week last week, and this week has been uh, just simply a breakout. You you can't say uh, you, you can't say it, it completely broken out because it's still kind of right around the 200 and 100 day moving average. But in general, it's definitely gaining some strength and this is a market that moves pretty fast and then the bigger question is what mechanism or what vehicle do you want to use to own gold now you can buy gld which you talked about that's just owning an underlying paper gold that's going to correlate with gold price you could own the physical gold and there's uh, you, you, you worry about theft, et cetera, but you can own the physical gold. You have to pay a broker, but that's going to be the safest way to own gold. Or you could own the miners, and that's what we like. We like to own the miners, the companies that have the reserves, own the reserves, and have the supply. And their profits go up exponentially. I've said this before. If you, the average cost of producing an ounce of gold, roughly, in the industry is about $1,000 an ounce. Well, when gold is $1,200 an ounce, they're making $200 per ounce. If suddenly it goes to $2,000 an ounce, gold went up 40%, but earnings went up 400%. Okay, so 
that's why we like the miners. There's more leverage there, and but there's more risk, right? It can go the other way. If prices go down, then certainly there's uh, more potential for loss. So like gold, love gold and silver right now. Uh, prefer the miners, but you have to understand the risks. All right. Now let's touch a bit on nuclear. And there's been a recent U-turn from an anti-nuclear stance across Europe to becoming more and more pro-nuclear. And the biggest step is from France. And this is French President Emmanuel Macron said the number one objective is to have innovative small-scale nuclear reactors in France by 2030, along with better waste management. And this is kind of a U-turn from their previous stance. And Macron has previously promised to reduce nuclear from 25 sorry 75 to 50 percent of its power previously but he said on tuesday he would begin investing in new nuclear projects very quickly british government is in talks with westinghouse over whether to build a new nuclear plant in wales now what's driving all this simple higher energy prices and the public support for nuclear energy has risen 17 percentage points in France. Another country that's kind of flipped, Finland. They've joined France, Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic to lobby the European Union to recategorize nuclear power as sustainable. This is a big shift because the Green Party is in power in Finland, and they have typically been anti-nuclear. And they've kind of churned to neutral. Okay. And a lot of these nations are looking at nuclear as an answer because they don't want to turn back to dirty diesel, coal, oil. Um, even a lot of them don't like natural gas. Japan's new prime minister defended his pro-nuclear policy. And he ran on a pro-nuclear platform and defeated an anti-nuclear energy uh, opponent. And he said it's critical that we restart nuclear power plants. It's even after Fukushima. In South Korea, the opposing bloc promised to restore the use of, uh, of nuclear energy, and they won. And the high, and this highlights the fact that. It is the cheapest and cleanest alternative to fossil fuel in Korea. That's what they said. Because they rely entirely on the imports to meet uh, of petroleum to meet its energy needs. So a lot of these countries that are not in, in, independent uh, with their energy supply are turning back to nuclear. And this is just the start. And so I think this is the start of governments around the world rethinking their policies around the shift to green energy. Not that they're going to stop it, but to actually put pen to paper, do some calculations and realize that they're going to need a lot more investment in green. And you can't, you have to find some baseload power in the meantime, as green projects are built and deployed. And that's going to take really decades to get up to where anyone wants. So, that's where we're at with nuclear, and I think it is on the rise. This is Invest Talk. Give me a call at 888 99 Chart. Let's say 
You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go to Chris in Maine looking at New York Community Bank Corp, NYCB. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh, looking to buy it, actually. Been uh, eyeing it since the 12s, and of course, since I was debating on buying it, it's uh, moved up into the high 13s now. But I know you're always talking about, uh, you know, you're a fa fan of the smaller banks, and I don't really have exposure to the banking sector at this point and looking for a long, longer position. Um, so I was wondering what you thought of this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is New York Community Bank Corp. It is operates its in the business. Uh, let's see, division banking. I'm just trying to see where this is. Producer, producer of multifamily loans in New York City with an emphasis on non-luxury residential apartment buildings with rent regulated units that feature below market rents. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, and I saw they yeah. also were, were in the middle of a merger. Uh, I forget the name of the group, but somewhere out of the Midwest as well. So. Got it. Sure okay. So it sounds like they're expanding. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like the I like the region. Uh, I like the the chart is very strong, and the valuation is pretty good. Uh, it's hard to argue with uh, what's happening here. Enterprise value to revenues um, are uh, about eleven times. Um, it's not bad for a bank, and it, it's in an uptrend. Um, the Earnings next year is supposed to be a dollar thirty-nine. 
yields 4.9% dividend yield, and it's a uh, almost $14 stock. So trading at 10 times forward earnings, which is uh, pretty cheap. Uh, banks tend to trade pretty cheap, but uh, I like this. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up. It, it checks all the boxes of uh, where I, li- I want to invest, what type of sector. Uh, the chart looks strong, uh, and the valuation still looks so good, and I think it has uh, room to run. So I'm going to give NYCB, New York City Bank Corp, a thumbs up. Now, let's keep things moving and grab another caller question now. This came in earlier from a listener in New Jersey. Hi, my name is Jose from New Jersey. I was calling about stock symbol SMG, the Scott's Miracle Grow. I see it dropped a little bit. I was wondering if now is a good time to buy it. I don't own it. Thank you. All right, looking at Scott's Miracle Grow, and this is down 41.6% from its 52-week high. To $8.3 billion market cap. Earnings are expected to peak here this year at $9.17, down to $8.62 next year. And that's why you're seeing the multiple contract. This is a good example of a company that was growing fast. 2018 earned $3.71. And so they've almost doubled their earnings, uh, actually more than doubled their earnings uh, into this year in just uh, three years. And when you have that expected to reverse, now back down 6%, suddenly those calculations of valuation come down dramatically. And that's really what you're seeing here. Now, the question is, what about the support levels and the val- and the valuation? Is it now down to a level that is reasonable? And I'm going to say, yeah, it's probably fairly valued now, right around the 150 uh, range. And... Then the answer, then the question is, do you want to own this type of company longer term? Is this something, is is the profitability consistent? Even though it might dip down a bit, uh, is the profitability consistent? And I'm going to say yes. If return on equity is average over the last decade uh, in the high 20% range, that's uh, been up a little bit more recently. I think there is some exposure here to the cannabis space, uh, and they're certainly, uh, they're certainly exposed to that. So that's a positive. Uh, let me look at the chart. Now, technically, I'm not seeing a ton yet that's uh, giving me a, a lot of hope, but right around the 125 level, that would be major, major support. So that's what I'd be looking at. I like what you're looking at. I like I like the name. Uh, I like that long-term profitability. I like the bit of exposure to the cannabis space. But around 125, that would be a much better area, much better longer-term support. And I'm just not seeing a whole lot of strength in the near term that's telling me that it won't get down there. Uh, It still remains below the 50-day moving average. Don't like that. So until that downturn uh, shows some signs of shifting back to an upturn, I'm going to hold off on this because it's not dirt cheap or anything like that. All right. But I like the name. Good to have on your watch list. Keep keeping track of that one. Now let's touch on the latest economist headline and is the it says the first big energy shock of the green era and they point to next month that world leaders will gather for the cop 26 summit and this is where they set goals for carbon emissions to reach zero by 2050 and they're doing it in the midst of energy prices really going through the roof this is happening in england And since 
May, the price of a basket of oil, coal, and gas has soared 95%. And they've started to turn back on their coal-fired power stations. Not only that, but Vladimir Putin has reminded Europe that it supplies fuel to Europe and it relies on Russian goodwill to do it. And that's really the big issue here is the problems with the global energy supply chain is putting power back into the hands of petrostates, which typically have more authoritarian leaders. They're typically not democracies. And this panic has exposed the shift to cleaner green energy systems and inadequate investment in both renewables and transition fuels. And if you look, legal threats, investor pressures, and fear of regulation has cut investment in fossil fuels by 40% since 2015. And so it's not just about pandemic disruptions, uh, although that's part of it, right? There are routine maintenance issues uh, for mines and, and supply uh, there have been accidents. There's too little wind in Europe for uh, green energy, uh, for, the, for the wind uh, energy, and that has put them more reliant on gas. There's been a drought in Latin America that has cut hydropower output. There's been floods in Asia that has uh, stopped coal deliveries, and that's only part of the problem. Energy investment is running at half the level needed to meet the ambitious goals of net zero by 2050. So they need to spend more on renewables. But also the supply and demand of fossil fuels needs to have a plan to be wound down in tandem, but at a pace that doesn't cause an energy crisis. Why? Because fossil fuels, whether you like it or not, satisfy 83% of the world's primary energy demand, 83%. So you can't cut that off. You can't cut off development of that when we still rely the vast majority of our energy on fossil fuels. Now, natural gas is really where this is playing out because coal has been dirty for a long time. Investment in that space has been dwindling for a long time. And naturally, a switch from coal goes to natural gas. Now, natural gas is much cleaner than coal or, or oil by over 50%. And that's why a lot of countries are still reliant on it in a big, big way. But in Europe especially, and this is where they're feeling it the most, they've been cutting development of fossil fuels for longer than we have here. And so this is kind of a warning to the world that you, you cannot just cut off all fossil fuels without a plan or base power like I talked about with nuclear. And so I'm focusing on this because this will be a very constant theme of the 2020s. This is something I covered early in the pandemic. Talked about the shift. The 2020s are going to look different. Than the 2010s or the 20 or the 2000s, and a big feature of the 2020s, I said this over a year ago, it's going to be inflation. 
And we've had disinflation or deflation for 30 years. But the combination of changing demographics, uh, the onshoring of supply, and the push towards green energy are going to create more inflation. And government's just spending more on redevelopment projects, infrastructure projects. And guess what? It takes a lot of energy to do that. A lot of oil. There's actually, uh, uh, you, know, they, you ever hear of the summer driving season? There's actually a lot of analysts that say it's not the summer driving season. It's the home building season warmer and you can actually produce homes a lot more efficiently when it's warmer out and so there's a lot more trucks delivering materials and so the summer driving season is actually demand for diesel and oil to deliver large supplies and so if you're going to build energy infrastructure or just infrastructure in general you're going to need a lot of oil so for this transition, it has to happen. And this article is basically saying that if they don't create a plan, they're risking a popular revolt against green energy. Because at the end of the day, people want to heat their homes. They want to get to work, to the grocery store, to their kids' soccer game, etc. It's all going to need energy. And I encourage all of you, if you want to head over to Economist, it's a great, great article. And it really sums up everything I've been saying about the energy patch and why there needs to be a shift in thinking. And it's just starting. And that's why I think nuclear and natural gas are the center of that shift. Let's go to James in Denver, looking at IHI. Hey, thanks for taking the call. I enjoy listening to you on the podcast. uh, Appreciate that. You're uh, um, looking at IHI, which is the iShares U.S. Medical Medical Device ETF. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Yes. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I own a substantial amount, and it's one of my favorite ETFs, I, I think, out there. I just have a tough time picturing a world where people don't need medical devices in, in, in the short and long term. And, and just kind of wanted your take. If you look at the chart on uh, ten over 10 years, it's just been a – Steady Eddie producer, talk me off the IHI uh, mountain that I'm living on. Well, every investment has risks, so understand that. Um, IHI, do I do like this space within the medical investment world. The wor- the worry is that for me, the number one worry is that the ire that the pharmaceutical industry is getting. On pricing, it will eventually trickle over to the medical device field and push down uh, the growth in prices there uh, and profitability. So that's number one. Number two, a lot of the names within this are actually – they produce products in the development stage of pharmaceuticals, Thermo Fisher Scientific is the top holding and they mainly make instruments and things for the development of drugs. Okay. So yes, I guess it's some way it would be medical device, but that's 13%. That's the highest position within this. Okay. 
And then if you look at valuation for a lot of these names, they're trading at very high multiples. All the top 10 outside of Be- uh, Becton Dickinson are trading at over 20 times. And some are sh- trading at extreme multiples. Two of Surgical, 58 times. Dexcom, 158 times. So if you have higher interest rates, that could be a headwind on those multiples, multiples compressing. So those are the three, I would say, risks in the space. And that's why I wouldn't, at, the, at this point, get over your skis uh, owning too much. I probably wouldn't have more than 10% of your overall portfolio in something like this. And this recent drop, I think, is a reason why. You've seen uh, this come down, let's see, about 6.5% after today, uh, below its 52-week high, which isn't a large pullback. Still remains above its 100-day moving average. But it will generally go down with the overall market. So you never want to think of, oh, people are going to always need X, Y, and Z. Yes, that's always true. But companies' purchase or, or uh, pricing power can ebb and flow, and profits can ebb and flow. So even if their revenues continue to go up, the demand of their products continue to go up, uh, there are always other risks, whether that's uh, political with more regulation, uh, whether it's geopolitical with supply chain issues, whether that's input costs going up, the like commodities uh, right now. So there's always different risks that you have to consider. So never fall in love with any stock or in this case, any one sector, even though I like the sector, but I definitely wouldn't fall in love with it. Does that make sense? Uh, As always, you're really thought out and I appreciate the intellectual response. Um, I, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, 95%. (laughs) All right. Well, I I appreciate that. Thanks for the call, James, and uh, good luck with it. And uh, uh, I'm actually flying to Denver tomorrow, so maybe I'll see you. (laughs) Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here. Let's help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Best Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24 7 in the Invest Talk voice bank. Remember, for live or recorded questions, the number never changes. 888 99 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Jeff from Florida. Calling about Micron. I know you've been getting a lot of calls about semiconductors, and I guess it's just because they're getting a little bit more reasonably priced, if you believe that. I guess uh, my question is what do you think about Micron? And with uh, the supply crunches, if that were to get worse, that's your knowledge, how much could that hurt their supply and their bottom line? Look for your answer on the show. Thank you. All right. This is Micron, and this is a company that it mainly makes DRAM for PCs and servers. They have they also expanded to the flash memory market as well. And that's the issue here is that they generally make a commodity. Do you care what 
RAM you have, whether it comes from Micron or any other other suppliers or Samsung. No, you just care about the specs. What's the speed? What's the what's the amount of memory gigabytes that you're getting, uh, etc. Same with your phone. Do you care where your iPhone memory comes from? No. And so as long as the end manufacturer is happy with the specs and the quality, then they're going to buy from the cheapest source. And that's the issue here with this company. And uh, what's interesting is that it is now down 30% from its 52-week high back in, let's see, when did it peak? There we go. Uh, In May? Yeah, May. What's interesting here is that even though there's a chip supply shortage, this is now in a downtrend. And earnings are expected to be $9.21 this year, $11 next year. And if you base your multiple on those figures, it looks really cheap. Problem with the space is that it is extremely volatile. Once again, they're, they're a lot like the steel industry. I said this, I think it was the day before last on Monday, that steel is not a great investment. It's not a great business to be in over the long term because you're a price taker. You don't get to pick your price. And that's why steel profits tend to ebb and flow dramatically. And same with RAM, same with memory. They made 26 cents in 2016, made almost $12 in 2018, then only $6 in 2019, less than $3 in 2020, and now back up to $11 next year expected. This is this is why I think it's in a downtrend. They make a basic part. They make memory and the most difficult thing is to get the high quality chips that's really where the backup is the things that actually the computing power comes from that's the hardest thing to make now not the chips and so if you can't get the brains of the end product you're not going to need the memory and so i think there's going to be overcapacity, and that's what the market's kind of telling you So until, once again, the chart firms up and you get some indication that there will be a turnaround in the price, I'm not touching this because of the volatility in the profits historically of this company and the entire space. And right now it's below all the moving averages and there's really not support for a while. Let me give you a support level, $53. It's at 67 now. Let's Let's try to... Oh, let's try to squeeze in one last question from Canada. Hi, Stephen, Justin. This is Siddharth Said from Canada, Ontario. I have a question about the ticker symbol PAGS, P as in Patrick, A as in Apple, G as in George, S as in Sam. PAG Seguro Digital Limited. Uh, looks like they have a quite good fundamentals. I'm just looking for a technical analysis. Is it a right price to get in? I'm looking for a long-term investment. They have a good institutions count above 100% and operating margin, profit margin, return on equities all looks good. Just want to check what's your opinion. Would you buy at this price for the long term? Thank you so much. I really enjoyed your show and the newsletters. Have a great day ahead. Bye. Right, this is Pag Seguro. Um, it's a Brazilian tech company. It looks like uh, it is down for the count, and it is it's down dramatically, down forty four percent from its fifty two week high. I, I I don't have time to dig into this, honestly. 
I'm going to pass on it. It's Brazilian. Uh, there's a lot of issues there, a lot of corruption. I'm not touching this name. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, now hitting over 35 million. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.